The Socialist Correspondent, Podcast 32. Dennis Goldberg, Hero of the Struggle for South African Liberation. Part 2 of a memoir by Brian Filling. Exile, Campaigning, The Return to South Africa. Dennis Goldberg, along with Nelson Mandela, Walter Sisulu, Governor Mbeki and four others, was sentenced to life imprisonment in the 1963-64 Rivonia trial in South Africa. The race laws of the apartheid system meant that Dennis was sent to Pretoria prison as he was white, while the others were sent to Robin Island. Following Dennis's release in 1985, after 22 years in the apartheid prison, he came to Britain and worked in the African National Congress, the ANC's, office in London. He became a very effective spokesperson for the ANC, addressing many thousands of people in the UK, Europe, North America and the United Nations about the struggle against apartheid, and he had the same effect everywhere, inspiring audiences and capturing the media. I organised his first speaking tour of Scotland shortly after his release from prison in 1985, and he returned frequently over the next 30 years. The anti-apartheid movement's campaign for the boycott of and sanctions against South Africa during the years of the Thatcher-led Tory government in Britain was boosted by Dennis's speeches and tireless campaigning. The campaign did not move Thatcher nor her Tory government, but it drew thousands into the boycott movement and to solidarity with the African National Congress and the South African people. Trade unions in Britain were staunch supporters of the anti-apartheid movement, and Dennis was a great favourite at the annual conferences of the Scottish Trade Union Congress and of Unison, the UK Public Services Trade Union, which made him a life member, as did the Fire Brigades Union, and the Civil Service Union held wonderful nights for the ANC in Edinburgh. Dennis's speaking style was neither that of a firebrand nor a tub-thumper. He had a great ability to condense complex ideas into short, sharp, accessible messages, and his speeches were informative, gentle in tone, laced with humour, and inspired his audiences into action. He had people laughing out loud, and then brought tears to their eyes, as he vividly described apartheid and its horrific crimes. In a lecture he gave in Germany, he spoke of the deaths of detainees under apartheid in these words. Some were dropped into the deep southern ocean from helicopters. Some were thrown into crocodile-infested rivers to remove the evidence of the brutal illegality. Murder had become a sport for some protectors of the state. He also enthusiastically took on the role of creating and distributing ANC merchandise, all of which carried the ANC logo or symbols. It was great publicity, as thousands of people identified themselves publicly with the ANC, and the merchandise raised a lot of much-needed funds. The struggle against apartheid by the South African people, led by the ANC and supported by a worldwide solidarity movement, led to the release of the remaining Rivonia prisoners, and eventually that of Nelson Mandela, on the 11th of February 1990, after 27 years in prison. It took another four difficult years before the apartheid regime was forced to concede elections. The ANC won the first democratic election overwhelmingly, and Nelson Mandela was inaugurated as president on the 10th of May 1994. At the presidential inauguration of Nelson Mandela, 
I sat beside Dennis and his wife Esme in the amphitheatre of the Union Buildings in Pretoria, listening to the presidential address in what had been the government buildings of apartheid presidents, Favord, Forster, Botha and de Klerk. As we watched the South African Air Force fly past overhead, with the new South African flag emblazoned on the wings of the planes, Dennis remarked that he couldn't quite believe that these planes were now on the side of the people, rather than conducting mayhem on the front-line states. Dennis joked how, as he sat in his prison cell down the hill from the Union buildings, he had attempted to do a Yuri Geller and bend the wings of the aeroplanes during the apartheid-era presidential flypasts while he was incarcerated. All over the amphitheatre, old friends and comrades were meeting, shaking hands, embracing, exchanging stories, rejoicing in their victory. Some who had travelled the world as exiles from apartheid had been sworn in the previous day as members of parliament in Cape Town. Some were about to become cabinet ministers. It was a momentous day. One of those emotional meetings was between Dennis and his comrade Andimba Toivo Ya Toivo, now Minister of Energy in the recently liberated Namibia. They recalled when they'd first met as young men in the modern youth society in the 1950s in Cape Town. Andimba said that he couldn't quite believe that he was standing with Dennis in the citadel of apartheid, watching the presidential inauguration of Nelson Mandela, with whom he had spent 16 years on Robin Island, while Dennis had spent 22 years in Pretoria Central Prison. The anti-apartheid movement in Britain was dissolved on the 29th of October 1994, six months after the South African election, which signalled the end of apartheid. The successor organisation, Action for Southern Africa, ACTSA, was immediately formed. The following day, a 33-strong Scottish delegation departed from the UK for a 10-day visit to South Africa. Dennis had been invited to join the delegation as a special friend of many people and organisations in Scotland. The delegation was given a tour of Parliament in Cape Town by a pleasant but apartheid-trained tour guide. After a few interjections by Dennis, the tour guide generously handed the tour over to him. Dennis then proceeded to give the delegates a history of the building from an anti-apartheid perspective, including describing the absurd tricameral parliament, which had given seats to Indian and coloured members in separate chambers, but not to blacks, whilst retaining majority control for the whites. During the visit, many meetings were held with the new leaders of the country, including Cyril Ramaphosa. The meeting was running over time, and we were due to visit the Cape Town Rape Crisis Centre. The women delegates left the meeting to avoid being late and then had a heated discussion as to whether men should be included in the visit. It was agreed that Dennis, who had organised the visit to the centre, and I, as leader of the delegation, should accompany the women. On arrival at the centre, Dennis was rapturously welcomed by the South African women, who saw him as a great supporter of their work. In the discussions that followed, they made the argument that men needed to be included in their campaign if the horrendous problem of rape was to be overcome in their society. Dennis's connection to and support for the Cape Town Rape Crisis Centre continued long after that visit, including successfully bidding for large-scale funding from Comic Relief. Other highlights of the trip included meetings with Dennis's fellow Rivonia trialists. Govan Mbeki, then Deputy President of the Senate, hosted us in the Members' Tea Room in Parliament in Cape Town. He recalled his visit to Scotland in 1990 to speak at our Sashaba International Conference and the fact that he was named 
after the first principal of Lovedale Institution, William Govan of Glasgow. He also talked about the huge issues facing the new South African government and the struggle against apartheid, which had led to his and Dennis's imprisonment. Raymond Malaba, the new Premier of the Eastern Cape, met us in the government offices in Bishow in the Transkei. Raymond spoke about his and Dennis's arrest at Lily's Leaf Farm 30 years before and the difficulties he and his provincial government were facing in bringing together part of the Old Cape province with the apartheid Bantustans of the Transkei and Siskei in one of the poorest provinces in South Africa. The meetings with Govan and Raymond underscored the fact that apartheid and colonialism had been a crime against humanity. The principles, courage, ability and optimism of these men who had spent decades in prison shone through, as did their commitment to a non-racial South Africa. As he was remaining in Britain to be with his family, Dennis had decided to establish a charity, Community Heart, Health, Education and Reconstruction Training, to assist with the reconstruction and development of his country. It was launched in the South African High Commission in London on the 27th of April 1995, the first anniversary of the first democratic election in South Africa, with Dennis as director and myself as chair of the board. Dennis worked extremely hard to make Community Heart successful. He launched the Book and Ten Pence Appeal, which involved the collection, sorting and packing of books, which were then sent by container to South Africa. This took him all over Britain, speaking to all kinds of audiences, from former members of the anti-apartheid movement to a speaking tour round Edinburgh's independent private schools. Three million books were eventually sent from the UK to South Africa. Not only did he travel extensively throughout Britain and Ireland, but he combined it with the establishment of Community Heart in Germany and regular speaking tours there. I was requested by Glasgow Caledonian University, GCU, to approach Nelson Mandela after his release from prison to ask if he would accept an honorary doctorate from the university. He accepted on the understanding that the university agreed to assist with the reconstruction and development of the new South Africa. Dennis, on behalf of the ANC, visited the university to discuss how it could assist, and following those discussions, Professor David Walsh, Dean of the Faculty of Health, and myself visited South Africa just before the election of 1994. Dennis introduced us to the Medical University of South Africa, Medunsa, and there began a productive connection between the two universities. Community Heart, through its fundraising, provided a mobile clinic for the university. We also visited the University of the Transkei, UNITRA, in the Eastern Cape, which led to that university adopting a problem-based nurse training curriculum assisted by GCU. Several senior university staff were seconded to UNITRA and Madunsa to assist with the development of the new programme, and some of the new South African staff undertook placements at Glasgow Caledonian University. This very positive and mutually beneficial partnership was facilitated and nurtured by Dennis over the years. At the end of one of our many visits to South Africa, when we were returning to the UK, Dennis could not find his passport. We went to a police station in Johannesburg to report the loss. And while we were waiting in the queue, Dennis remarked to me that there might be a difficulty as his South African identity card listed his last known address 
as Pretoria Central Prison. On hearing Dennis's explanation of the lost passport, the desk officer took the identity card and disappeared into the back office. Some 15 minutes later, we were surrounded by a crowd of policemen and women who began toy-toying. After this celebration of one of their heroes, we were informed that the missing passport would not be a problem and they would arrange the necessary travel documents. Not long before Dennis died, I was talking to him on the phone about GCU's continuing work in South Africa. He was gratified to know that the university's connection with South Africa was continuing, with, for example, vision science students undertaking placements on the Fellow PIFA health train, which traverses rural South Africa, bringing much-needed health care. It's a mutually beneficial arrangement. The students see more well-developed cataracts in their two weeks on the health train than they are likely to see during the whole of their course in Glasgow, and their own eyes are opened to a wider world. The South African patients receive much-needed attention and treatment, which otherwise would be unavailable in rural South Africa. Community Heart held a number of very successful book launches in South Africa House, with South African authors, including Dennis's fellow Rivonia trialist, Ahmed Kathadra, who wrote Letters from Robin Island, and Luli Kalinikos, who wrote The World That Made Mandela. Dennis's autobiography, The Mission, A Life for Freedom in South Africa, was launched at large events in Glasgow, Manchester and London. Dennis's love of and interest in children was another of his characteristics. Becoming president of the Woodcraft Folk, a progressive children's organisation in Britain, in which Esme and their children had been active members, was just one expression of this. When Dennis's wife Esme died in 2000, Dennis asked me to conduct a rationalist commemoration of her life at the funeral in London. It was quite an event, as it brought together Dennis and Esme's family, many of Esme's friends of all age groups from many different parts of the world, British and South African comrades and friends. It was not long afterwards that their daughter Hilly died. It was a hard time emotionally, and Dennis was exhausted by the work with Community Heart. It was time for a new start. Dennis retired as director of Community Heart and was elevated to the position of honorary president. Dennis returned to South Africa in 2002 with his new wife, Edelgard, as he had been appointed special advisor to the Minister of Water and Forestry Affairs, Ronnie Casserles. He enjoyed this role, as it took him all over the country and allowed him to meet, hear the concerns and take action to provide clean water and sanitation for thousands of people deprived by the apartheid system. Dennis and Edelgard eventually settled in Hoot Bay near Cape Town. Dennis hosted Brise for visiting delegations from Action for Southern Africa, ACTSA, UK, often in the evening of their first day after visiting Robben Island. There could have been no better introduction to South Africa, its history and the challenges it faced than an audience with Dennis. Dennis retired from his work in the Department of Water and Forestry Affairs in 2006 and devoted his energies to work in the Hoot Bay community, including becoming a patron of the Cronendal Music Academy. He also continued to deliver lectures and to comment on current affairs in South Africa, as well as visiting Britain on many occasions. On the 4th of August 2011, Dennis and the Lord Provost unveiled a plaque in Glasgow City Chambers 
to commemorate the 30th anniversary of Nelson Mandela receiving the freedom of the city, the first city in the world to bestow the honour, while he was still incarcerated on Robin Island in 1981. To coincide with this event, the Lord Provost and the City Council sponsored the publication of the Glasgow Mandela story. In the foreword, Dennis wrote, Glasgow was my launching pad into the warm atmosphere of Scottish hospitality, comradeship and the forming of friendships that have endured to this day. Following Dennis's return to South Africa, I visited him in Hope Bay on many occasions. Staying with Dennis in his house, surrounded by his art collection, was like living in a wonderful art gallery. Dennis was justly proud of his collection, which he bequeathed to his House of Hope. This is a project which aims to bring together the different communities of Hope Bay, still separated geographically as one of the legacies of apartheid. The House of Hope will provide space for community activities, including music, arts and culture. During the Zuma presidency, Dennis and many others became deeply concerned with the problems of opportunism, corruption and self-enrichment bedeviling the African National Congress. In 2016, a press release signed by 101 ANC veterans was issued. The first three signatories on the list were the three surviving Ravonia trialists, Ahmed Kathadra, Andrew Mangani and Dennis Goldberg. The press release read in part, The trust between the ANC and communities built up over so many years is now severely under threat. Communities that have looked to the ANC for leadership and who we should serve increasingly see self-enrichment, corruption, nepotism and the abuse of power. The moral high ground that the ANC enjoyed is being lost. As stalwarts and long-serving members of the ANC, we have a profound responsibility to the movement and the country to ensure that the principles and values of the ANC are not destroyed. We believe that the overwhelming majority of our citizens embrace the values of the Freedom Charter and the constitution of our country and share this view. Jacob Zuma was replaced as ANC president by Cyril Ramaphosa in December 2017, was recalled by the ANC as president in February 2018. Cyril Ramaphosa was then elected president of South Africa. While on a speaking tour in Germany in 2018, Dennis became ill and returned to South Africa where he was diagnosed with lung cancer. He bore his terminal illness bravely and continued with his activities. During his illness, although unable to travel, Dennis continued his connection with Britain and became one of the patrons of the Nelson Mandela Scottish Memorial Foundation, whose aims are to create a statue of Mandela in Glasgow and to conduct educational activities about apartheid, Mandela, his life and struggle, and his connection with Glasgow, Scotland and the UK. On one of his last visits to the UK, the City of Glasgow College presented Dennis with their inaugural Global Scholar Award. Dennis was accompanied by his son, David, his grandchildren and myself. In his acceptance speech, Dennis talked about the meaning of humanity in these words. I have looked at people in class conflict between owners and workers and the middle people, very well paid, who do the work of maintaining disunity and inequality among people in those conflicts and wondered about what it is to be human. 
To be scholars, to try to understand our world in isolated academic ivory towers, is to deny our innate human equality. Knowledge is, for me and many millions of people, a guide to action. Understanding the world is not enough. As human beings in society, we are called upon by our humanity to change the world, to make it a place of greater equality. What I have learned through good times and bad is that to be human, in the words of Nelson Mandela, we must so live our lives that we respect and advance the freedom of others. Dennis Goldberg certainly lived his life in that way. Brian Filling is Honorary Consul for South Africa in Scotland and Chair of the Nelson Mandela Scottish Memorial Foundation. He was Chair of the Scottish Committee of the Anti-Apartheid Movement from 1976 to 1994.